You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Bracken. Good morning again. Good morning again. Sunshine, my sunshine. We saw each other for the first time in like over a year and a half, Bracken. We just hit the ground running. We had very different conversations in the car on the way to <laughs> Jacksonville <laughs> and on the way back, didn't we? We covered all gamut. Yes, we did. Yeah. We flew into Orlando, folks. So we had a, what, two and a half hour drive to catch up? Yeah. Plus an hour to get the rental car, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a we had a hike, but it was, uh, it was good seeing you, Bracken. It made it all worth it. Uh-huh. I was I was thinking on the drive back, this would be so much worse if Kirk weren't here. Oh, that drive. We got Taco Bell on the way back and Baja Blast. <laughs> we joked about getting, well, we didn't know what to get. And Kirk said, you know what, at this point, I could just get like drive through or quick food or whatever. And I jokingly said Taco Bell because his stomach was, was upset. Uh-huh. And we both kind of sat there and realized, yeah, we actually will get Taco Bell. Yes, we did. We're not above Taco Bell. When's the last time you had Taco Bell? I, it's not in the recent couple of years. I don't think I even had it since pandemic started. Like it's been a year and a half minimum. Uh huh. Um, what was your order, Bracken? I got a Crunchwrap Supreme beef yep. and two nacho cheese chalupas, and then a giant old Baja Blast. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. That's a good order. What'd you get? Two Doritos Locos tacos, a Crunchwrap Supreme, and a little cheesy wrap. Cheesy wrap with fire sauce. Ate like a king. I assumed you weren't a spicy guy. I learned that about you this weekend. Why? Because I'm gingy or what? Doesn't go know. together. Yeah, and and Midwest. I have no tolerance <laughs> for spices. I enjoy all things red, Bracken. Yes, you do. Should we stop beating around the bush, Bracken, and talk about Jacksonville 2021? Listen, I want to talk about Jacksonville, and people have already made it abundantly clear that they want to hear our Jacksonville recap. So mine will be a lot quicker than yours, but we might as well <laughs> recap our Jacksonville. Starting with Kirk and I did a shakeout round the night before. Mm-hmm. And Kirk realized his heart rate was real low. Yep. And I realized I might be in trouble the next day. Why is that? <laughs> what What did my stride look like to you? So I will, if you haven't watched the results, folks, Bracken didn't finish the race. Man, after all of this training, I didn't even make it to mile one. And if we were betting Vegas odds, the, the odds would have been that I would have dropped out due to injury. Because of my ankle, and you would have finished the race, and that just got turned upside down. It was very unfortunate. But when we were shaking out, um, we were on a very narrow single track trail. We found this small little park near our hotel. Um, and Bracken, you had a little hitch in your giddy up. You were favoring a leg already. Tell the folks what was going on. Three weeks ago, I slightly pulled or tweaked something in my calf during my simulator, but just kept it between Kirk and Lisa and I because I figured it would go away. And no one likes hearing sob stories. And this past week, it just kept getting worse. So <laughs> it peaked the day before the race. Yeah. You mentioned it before we started our shakeout. And then running behind you, it was clear you were favoring one of your legs. By the end of the shakeout, though, you were not favoring. 
it looked like it worked itself out and you thought you were good to go. Yeah, it, it was so dull. I thought, I think I told you, like, if it goes, it'll go at the end of the race in the moguls or something. And it'll be like a cramp. It'll just get tired because it's, I'm running differently, but it'll be fine. Um, so because every, I'm sure you've been bombarded with messages because it's not how, how you want your return to racing to go. I would assume, um, what, first of all, people, I don't know if you watched the start line, but we were allowed to start three rows, like three people per row, all separated roughly by what, four feet. And Bracken decided to start in the last row, 40 yards back from the front. This was chip based, meaning that it wasn't who crossed the finish line first. They were going off of timing chip. What was part of that decision, Bracken? We were running a little behind. You were running behind. A little bit. You were too. I was, but I just elbowed my way up there. So get out yeah. of that way. So I haven't, in my mind, earned my place in the front row recently. So I wasn't going to do that. I was going to get a couple rows deep and sit there and work up. And then as soon as they said it's officially time trial style, I realized it doesn't matter where I start. Mm -hmm. One of my big issues was I didn't know how hot I could get out that first mile, but I knew that I could, once we got into the nasty stuff, I could run hard through that. So I thought, you know what? The only spot available is the last spot in line. I think I'm just going to keep that. And then I'm going to run it purely time trial style, just the highest output I can put the whole time and not worry about tactics and That'll be a kind of a fun way to get back to this, see how many people I can catch. Mm -hmm. So I went with it. I decided it was just a split second decision. Let's just, let's just run this as hard as I can start to finish and not worry about where anyone else is. Mm -hmm. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Did you feel like you stayed out of the clutter that way or did it make it worse? Bubbles, the clown and I were the last two guys across the line and we both kind of slowed up a little bit. Like people were like gunning it to get up to the line and go. And we kind of jogged up to the line. Smart. And then we could just see the whole field strung out ahead of us. And that, that nice, that first quarter mile was probably 20 feet wide. The trail was. Yeah. And so you could just see your openings. And I, like I swerved a little bit, but I didn't break stride probably one time in the first quarter mile. You know, the tough thing about that was, is when we did our, our preview episode last week and we were talking about the importance of staying connected early, which yeah. still was very important in this race, is we're going to get to a whole race recap and what we think of all the people who finished well or didn't, the winners and the losers, so-called. We'll start with our own recaps. But anyways, that's the one caveat to your decision is like contact was important. If you were chasing a podium or a top five, that contact was super important. Yeah, that's that's the caveat. And I'd be interesting to see what interested to see what would have happened because I, I was moving up through the field pretty steadily. Mm -hmm. um, but at about 0.95 miles, it felt like I got shot in the calf. It was dull ache and then it was sharp twinges here and there, but the kind that you can run through. And then yep. suddenly my calf was just like I hit the ground and it just ping. And that was it. Did you hit the ground funny or did you, nope. it was a norm on uh, soft in the mud or in the firm train? What was it? It was actually in the, it was in the water, the water in the mud. I, I have no explanation for why other than it built up, it built up. And, and I was about to move. I was trying to, uh, I just caught up to Keeling and Gawiski and I was going to try to move around them and just accelerating a little. It just went, it, it felt like I got shot right in the leg. It felt like a cramp, like a full on calf cramp. And so I went down to touch it and my calf was soft. There was no cramp. That's just what it felt like. Like it was unusable. So by mile one, you had already caught up to Killian, who started in the very front, by the way. Yeah. And Gawiski, who started maybe in the second or third row. So you'd actually made up all that time on them by mile one. So you were yeah. moving well. 
Yeah, yeah, I was feeling good. We Bracken created a Strava segment called what was it? I think Bracken's special race. Bracken's special race, and it ends at 0.99 miles. He just wanted to know where his time stacked up mm-hmm. against the field where you dropped, and what what was your of people who uploaded to Strava and aren't on private. I was seventh through that point. And I was what? I think sixth or fifth. Yeah, because I started back. Minus Josiah Middaw. He wasn't yeah, showing he up in that. So. Yeah. so you're moving well, man. Yeah. And and who knows what would have happened. The race happened between mile one and mile two. Yes, it did. And we didn't expect, I didn't expect that nearly as much. I thought thought that race would start in, at the bucket and it, it actually spread open much earlier than that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it was, I've got a hundreds of messages at this point. And the answer is yes, I'm very frustrated, but probably not for the reason most people think it was, if I kept telling you, like, it doesn't, I'm not devastated. I feel like it's not real. Mm -hmm. I felt like this isn't actually real this because this was never my worries for the race centered around performance or around decision points. As I was hobbling back to the start line, I just kept thinking like, is this actually, or am I going to wake up? Is this one of those bad pre-race dreams you have or something so bizarre happens that you wake up and you're like, oh, thank goodness that was fake. I kept waiting for that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the frustrating part was I didn't get to find anything out. I found out I could make it a mile at the pace I wanted to run. And I felt like I had matches waiting, but I learned nothing. You didn't hit the bad part until mile two anyway. So yeah, it was a, it was a totally non-effort it was just not there. There was nothing. There's no takeaway. You uh, you dropped about right when the race had started getting real. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I had stopped uh, that like previous 100 meters. I had stopped closing as hard on people, and was thinking, "All right, this is the that thought crossed my mind. All right, they're starting to work, which means I this is where the race starts here." And mm-hmm. I went to make my first move, and my calf went. So I I didn't even feel the first move of the race. So that's that's my entire takeaway. So I got nothing out of it. Mm, that just means you're going to have to race again. But For sure. uh, if you had to run today, could you? Or is this thing, out of, did it recover pretty well? Or is it out of Oh, control? no, there, it's, there's no use of it. Like I'm bear crawling up the stairs and using the railings down and walking like, like I should be on, like crutches would be more efficient than how I'm walking. The only, the only thing I can come up with is either some like leg effect from knee surgery or all that snow running and that slippy push off constantly. It's the only, and I'm just, I'm shooting shots here with no idea what I'm talking about, but what do you think? I I mean, it happened in the middle of that. I had no signs of this at all until like what, 12 minutes to go in my sim. When I did my, my lake simulation where I had to wade through deep water, I waded through thigh deep snow and -hmm. it was already negative 12 or negative 16 out. And that, so I was just wearing tights because I was working hard. So the snow just on my legs, I think, cooled them to the point where then I went over and hurdled picnic tables and jumped over a fence. And right after that, I felt this weird ache in my calf. And I think they just got really cold. And then the impact or the jump or something tweaked something small. And then I exacerbated it with that road tempo last week. And then my last speed workout this week. Hindsight That's, that's all I can think. I don't think I did anything wrong in training. No, I think I just had this weird thing. And if anything, I think it was like you said yesterday, um, atrophy after surgery Mm -hmm. that my calves certainly atrophied and I built up my body to be able to withstand this block of training. But in little ways like that, there are probably some little pieces that weren't strong enough. So that's it. That's my whole race. And you, you had a race. You didn't have a race you loved, but you performed well. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, um, 
I booked my flight on Friday morning. Yeah, this this is the craziest part. On Thursday night, you still couldn't tell me if you were healthy enough to race. And yeah. I DNF'd and you took seventh. <laughs> what, what is this world, Kirk? I don't know. It's upside down, man. I um, I was so uncertain. So I booked a refundable plane ticket on Friday morning. I paid an extra, I don't know, 60 bucks for it to be refundable, which was like refundable directly to my credit card, not like credit. It was like, I'll get my money back. And then I worked on Friday. Um, and then I said, I'm going to go to the dog park and jump the fences. And I'm going to just hop around and see what happens. And it was sore. Uh, ankle was definitely sore and it was a little sore from doing that, but I, I put a little video on Instagram. I, it was stupid really. If nobody knew what I was doing, like there were people with their dogs in the dog park and they were all like gathering and looking and pointing. It looked like a crazy man, mm-hmm. but I decided it was fair to give it a go. Um, and then I woke up on Saturday morning to get the flight and I woke up with a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like I'm making a terrible decision and mistake. It's not like me to lay in bed and I laid in bed for a half hour, almost being like procrastinating, leaving the house. And I was in in bed with Jess being like, I don't know if I should go, Jess. Like I had that feeling that sinking, I'm making a mistake. And then she said, let's just get you in the car and start driving and you to the airport. She said, <laughs> you work, out. Jess. And she said, I'm serious. That's how, that's how up in the air I was about this man. And, and she was great. She talked me off the ledge. Like I, I usually go into things pretty optimistic and with confidence. I'm not a race excuse guy. I never have been. Um, but we drove there and she's like, Hey, and if you're sitting at the airport and you call me, I'll come back and get you. Like, it's okay. She was just like calming me down. And I got there, I got to security and I was like, suddenly this feels right. I'm going to go. And that was how on the fence I was Brack. And I woke up with extreme anxiety on Saturday morning about my decision. Um, but then we got there and seeing you and we laughed the whole way up. And by the way, on Bracken's behalf, he's doing great. We laughed the whole way back to the airport for two and a half hours. Your spirits are fine. Bracken's not jumping off any ledges, guys. He's going to be fine. A lot of people are like, is this like, you promised me you'll still come back and race again. What are you (laughs) talking about? I just had two knee surgeries and didn't run for seven months to get back to this point. You think a calf strain is now going to be like the nail in my coffin? No, this is going to be a minor setback and it's fine. I'm going to be just fine. Well, I'll tell you how the race went out then. So I'll just give it from my point of view and then we'll recap the whole race and, and everything. But, um... So I was seventh, really eighth. Mark Gaudet got a one, must have had a one burpee penalty, which bumped him from seventh to ninth, moving me up to seventh. But Mark, Mark deserves seventh, but I, I officially got seventh. We looked at pacing on Strava. It looked like, would you say I was the sixth fastest going through the mile mark, right? Yeah. Because I started behind, I wasn't in sixth so place. Seventh with Josiah. Seventh with Josiah, which is, sounds about right. But anyways. Which means you you pretty much finished where you Yeah, pretty much finished. Started. Looked like us on the elite side, we were hitting, uh, I was hitting 450 pace in that first half mile. We pretty much ran sub five and then we settled into like five teens once we started. Isn't that about right, Bracken? Yeah. The slop would slow us. And then as soon as you got out of the slop, it was low fives again. I got disconnected um, mostly because there were about 15 guys, 16 guys in front of me and I made a stupid mistake. I had my buff around my neck. And they announced that you need to throw your masks in a garbage can. And I had my own buff on. I should have brought a throwaway. And I was like, I need to get rid of this thing. And so I started running around the corner. I took the buff over my head and tossed it next to the fence, knowing I could come get it after the race. And right when I tossed it, there's two officials sitting on a golf cart and looking right at me. And I just ditched my buff. 
on the race course. So I figured I'd be DQ'd if I'm being honest. And my buff was no longer there anymore. So I stop, I start to go think about going back to get it. And then I'm like, fuck it. I just started running again. And I had been gapped by 10 meters. And you had in the back of your head, I'm probably going to be DQ'd. I really did. And and I should have done that. I intended to go back and get it. I think they just picked it up, rolled their eyes, and didn't know who I was, to be honest with you. And that stuff happens all the time. Yeah, you People threw it at their feet. They, they, they just picked it up. <laughs> I, I didn't know they were there. But anyways, it was a very innocent mistake. But um, so the flash, fat run it, uh, fast and flat running was, you know, uh, less aggressive than I thought. I think the field actually was conservative the first 800 meters. Um it wasn't as quick as I thought, even though we were sub five pace. Um, I think people were actually being smart and knew the race was on once we got to the slop. I would have bet my life it wouldn't have gone out the pace it did. I thought that people were going to try to gap as big as they could before the slop hit. Yep, went out slower than expected. Um, one thing that I, I mentioned in our Jacksonville preview episode was that it was my philosophy that when you hit the slop and you hit the muck and you hit the water that you should just kind of let it win and maintain. And then when you get good footing, you can go back and get more return on your effort investment. Uh, I'm here to tell you I was wrong. I'm here to tell you that in this race, there was so much of it that you had to sink your teeth into the shit. Because if you didn't, you got gapped. And so um, I purposefully chose to be conservative when we started hitting that shin deep water. And I was also very concerned for my ankle because there were potholes in that water, as you know, Bracken. Like you just suddenly step and you'd be a foot lower than your previous step. Yeah. And I slightly tweaked it early, but enough where I ran it off. So anyways, conserved in the water, as in I chose not to make moves. And when we came and popped out, I looked and everybody's like, I was like, they hustle. And there was a big gap there already. And that was a definite mistake on my end. Um <clears throat> And I think some others were doing the same thing, but uh, course was a lot sloppier than I expected. It was, um, there was less clean running than even the first mile. People were saying the first mile is fast. The second mile is nasty. The first mile had four spots where you spent five to 10 seconds <clears throat> unable to see your shoes. We have a place near me called Elm Creek Park and they have like a, it's about uh, 400, 800 meters around. It's a sandy swimming beach for the summer. I literally want to go and run in two feet of water and learn how to get efficient and fast at that because literally shin deep water running was maybe a half to three quarters of a mile of this race, maybe a mile in total. Um, so what on earth is that noise over on your end? Oh, it does some janky car outside. It's <laughs> not <laughs> like somebody's playing a tuba in your, <laughs> like your house. Um, Anyway, so so that makes me want to go like just run through shin deep water and like, yep. practice that because it did make a difference. Um, as we got into it, um, the real work started. Like a mile in, when you about dropped, it was like I'm I'm at threshold, and I was kind of it was difficult to get above that. It was difficult to get in a rhythm, um, and it was an actually very challenging course. I would say that the course this year was um, substantially different than last year in the sense where um, I actually thought this was more of like the running mattered more this year than last year. I mean, obstacles eventually separated up front at the tire flip, but everything was dry this year. And last year things were wet and people were more tentative. So it was about moving hard through the crap, man. It was about actually sinking your teeth in. And I thought, I thought people were going to blow up because of it. And the field is just too good. Um, so, uh, ended up seventh. Um, I'm happy with it, man. I, uh, the rolled ankle five months off of running. I started running in November. I've basically been running three days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and just to go get that taste of competition, man, was, was really good. Um, tire flip. I'll just talk about that right away. Yeah. 
like that was carnage. I don't were you were you watching the race at that point, Bracken, or were you No, I made it back to the motocross. That was the closest point I could get to. Because you kind of made that walk of shame back the way you came, right? Not kind of. That was an entire walk of shame. Yeah. But you walked the course back a whole mile. Basically. I cut whenever I could straight across. I probably it probably took me twelve hundred meters or a thousand meters. I've had a ton of people ask, like, what's up with that with that tire flip? Um it was condensation. I mean, the tires were completely condensa- condensated with dew to the point where like you grab it and it feels like there's, it's like oiled up mm-hmm. because like that dewy condensation is like worse than rain. Even it's like the slickest bullshit. And so the pinch grip, I don't think we saw anybody in the field pinch grip. You could not get your hands to stay. It was just slipping right off. And then that tire, the ground was just soft enough where it was like just sunk in enough where you there it was impossible to get a finger under any sort of lip um and i gave it 20 seconds which was in in hindsight too long i should have just went on it could have been maybe a fifth or a sixth place finish but everybody's playing that what if coulda shoulda woulda game with the tire it's it's null and void if anybody says i would have been fifth or third without the tire we all would have been right so anybody saying that shit shut up so anyways you know i don't know if you guys want i just gotta talk about it and i think like Watson or Raddick, Nathan Raddick are going to address this, but you know, VJ pulled a cloth out of his bag and polished off his tire and then flipped his first flip. I was confused about that because he did that in Chicago a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. then afterwards they said it worked, but we're not going to allow that anymore. That That's what I heard. So that's why none of us brought anything. Correct. And listen, this doesn't take, this is not on VJ at all. Um, you do what you can do, right? And if you want to skirt the line, you can skirt the line. VJ ran a great race. He would have won anyways, probably, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, no no swag on him. That's on Spartan. VJ had that race yep. regardless. Um, it's just on Spartan to, to tighten that up. I know David Megita got right on the phone after he knew that all happened. We and him and I were messaging this morning. He was He's pretty upset about that, I think. And so I think there's going to be some talk on that. Um, and then watching the replay back um, – VJ says he's got a special secret. Well, I'm just going to tell you a special secret, okay? Because that's what we do here. The tire flip. And and what he did uh, is he dug a hole with his heel or with his shoe in the mud. And then he grabbed the inside lip of the tire and pulled it towards the hole he dug. And then got his hands under the tire that way. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought touching the inside of the lip of the tire was illegal. It crossed my mind. I did not do it because that's exactly what I would have done. But I didn't know you could. And apparently you can touch it. You just can't flip it from the inside. You can't correct? stand inside it. Great, smart move. Very savvy, VJ. And he only polished his tire once. Not the second flip, I believe. It was just the first one. But anyways, that was his technique. Dug a hole, grabbed the inside lip, drug it over the hole, and had just enough room to get his fingers underneath it. Um, that's a good lesson learned. Guys, everybody else, VJ, it's not your secret anymore, brother. Um, and it was very savvy. Um, the other technique we saw was from... Brian Gawiski, the only two guys that got it in the top, whatever. Gawiski came in the tire behind me, like maybe by a, a, a significant margin, and ended up taking fourth. That's mm-hmm. how big of a difference. Gawiski, freaking hats off to you. What he did is Gawiski grabbed the tire sideways, like from the side, and drug it over his foot sideways, and then got his finger next to his toes. Those are the only guys that got it that I know of that were contenders. And one dug a hole and drug it over it. And the other one literally drug it sideways, grabbed the tread, pulled it sideways, and then got got it over his foot. So that's what you missed there, Bragging. Yeah. And it showed that you have to have a backup plan for everything. Got to have a plan. The guys that had, all right, I have A, B, and C, no matter what happens, that's my route. They got it. And one of those plans 
is a plan that I don't like is an option, but I do not begrudge people for choosing, which is what Logan and Woods did, which is run up full speed, touch the tire and hammer out burpees and go. I don't like that you're allowed to do it. I like that they were smart enough to use that to their advantage, if that makes sense. They did the smart move, but I wish it wasn't an option in our sport to just forego it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they took second and third because they wasted no time. Yep. Exactly. And they still had to knock out their burpees. It was yep. still tiring, but it was a, it was, they had that plan in mind as well. They did not waste a second. Uh, it was a savvy move. It, uh, it was a game all of us played. I'm going to, I'm sure everybody played it, but in that top group, um, I think I came into the tire eighth, seventh, ninth, I don't know, ninth maybe, but anyways, and it was like, you know, I feel, I feel for Kempson. Kempson ran a great race. In fact, Kempson may have won that race, but he lived and died by that tire. David Megida, you know, took like 25th. He took like six or so minutes at the tire. He just said, I'm going to do this. The problem is once you commit a minute to that tire and then still have to go do burpees, it's just a death sentence for your race in a short race. And we all hemmed and hoed. I spent 20 seconds. I tried two tires and you just go, it's, you don't even, it's not even a decision that you think out. It's like a quick panic decision. Well, because you're so, there's a giant carrot dangling there. You run in and you see the whole race minus one person is doing burpees. Uh, second place is open now if I just get this flipped and then you struggle it and then it's like all right well third place is still open if I can just get this flip and then eventually you go over and do burpees and now the next person comes up and sees that same opportunity where a couple people just said screw it right to burpees everyone else had too much of that optimism yeah which is a good thing it is a good thing everybody thought they were stealing the race including myself I saw that opportunity so I see Woods like kind of just in the middle of his burpees and Kempson's not haven't flipped the tire yet and I'm like here it is. Hello podium. But I'm one of 12 guys that thought that mm-hmm. it was a mess. Um, and then the rest of the race, pretty much everybody held their position. It was just so close to the finish as long as you had a little gas left. And what they did is they took us through the tire flip. Everybody's hands were full of wet sand and we went right to the Z wall, which was great for bringing your heart rate down after burpees. However, hands were gunked up. And so it was a pedestrian Z wall. I mean, if it was in a 30 to 40 second Z wall for me, I just was so hesitant on that blind corner. Mark Godet got on it basically at the same time and did the same thing. It was just a slow, pathetic Z-wall for a lot of us. And then the race, just we just all held position. So that that race was won in two places or made or broken two places. It was made in the deep water running and all the shit where my intention was to take it easy. Stupid. Um, and then it was the tire flip, the decision on the tire flip. All position jostling, much happened from what I saw other than that. Yeah. For the second year in a row, Jacksonville showed us what something new matters. Mm-hmm. Last year was that obstacles and transition matter. This year is that we were starting to talk the day before the race that they don't make courses like they used to. It's too sterile now. The terrain's too good. And bad terrain mattered again. And an obstacle that most people never even worry about took everyone out. Mm, it's funny when we were warming up Bracken, Bracken and I were warming up on part of the clean terrain. You looked over at a ditch and what'd you say about that ditch full of water? I said, if we would have come here four years ago, we would have spent a quarter mile running through that ditch this year. And they put us through the, the crap. Yeah. So good, good on them. That I, I like that they can keep people on their toes. I will say this, this race showed that everything balances out in terms of course um, time. A lot of times you'll hear people in the later waves saying, well, if the, if the pro waves just went off later, they'd have such terrible terrain because everything gets chewed up. And that's true. But the tires get better as the day goes on. 
whereas the terrain gets worse. So everything balances out. You might lose two minutes on the terrain later in the day, but you lose <laughs> two minutes on the tire in the morning, even by, I don't know, 8 30, 9 o'clock, the sun had burned off the dew on the tires. And then the age group guys were getting it left and right. They were. And good on them for getting it. But yeah, but th- there's the, the plus minus on both sides, whether you're morning or late. The sun hadn't hit the tires yet. And it's, it's, I would describe it as like a rubber co- covered in olive oil. <laughs> it's that, I mean, it's how it feels, man. Um, I guess just to speak more on my race, um, specifically, like, how do I complain? To go yeah. and take seventh place with it all, and I was I was on day five of antibiotics because I had been sick with the ankle. It could have went a lot worse. I had no expectations, um, and it relit my fire from going from laying in bed on Saturday morning with Jess saying like I don't know if I want to get out of bed and go because I had that sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach to ending up seventh. Like I uh, appreciate the support. Got a lot of people asking about the ankle, so thank you. Um, and now I'm ready, man. Like I'm going to be increasing my running and I. I'm just saying now I'm going to, I'm going to move up. Like that's the plan. Yeah. So it's going to be good. What's your plan? Brian? I'm I'm still in that illogically confident place. I told you mm-hmm. beforehand, I was upset going in that Atkins and Hunter weren't going to be there because if I won, then it would cheapen <laughs> my victory. Like I still have that. I was, I think 16 seconds behind VJ through mile one and waiting to burn some matches in mile two. Mm-hmm. And so the, that side of me says, all right, if I give 20 seconds to him per mile and I flip that tire, I just take second place because he won by a minute 20 over second place, which was Woods. So I come out of this because I didn't get to the point where everyone got to, which was the sloppy running drain them. And then the tire broke the field. I didn't hit those. And so I have no reason. Like I know logically Mm -hmm. the same thing was there for me, but like in my gut, it just tells me, no, you would have been fine. And so you would have taken second place. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think that that's what would have happened, but that's mm-hmm. what my like competitive side says. All right. So you probably could have taken second or you could have taken 12th, but either way, I didn't get a comeuppance there. So I'm still super confident and fired mm-hmm. up moving forward. Why don't we talk about last year after Jacksonville, we did a lessons learned, right? Yeah. Let's talk two things. So uh, enough about us, right? Um, yeah. Lessons learned. Uh, which you didn't have a lot, but you saw things and you heard talk to people. So let's let's talk lessons learned, and then let's talk let's let's start calling out names and and patting people on the back and also you know crying for some. Let's do that. Well, I mean the obvious lessons are that there were a lot of people there who haven't spent their off season running in sloppy terrain, and that yep. was part of why I was most excited for mile two is because I've run in as much sloppy terrain as anyone. I was excited to use that, but a lot of people didn't and it showed. Um, And then the second is that having a backup plan to your backup plan for bad scenario obstacles really mattered. Last year, it was about how fast can you get in and out. This year was about how can you adapt to something? Yeah, it was. Um, I would say, uh, you know, we always glorify the speed, like he is so fast or she is so fast. and it's intimidating, right? Um, you know, Mark Gaudet ran 15, 14 in a 5K on, on the treadmill a week out, and that's scary. And Mark Gaudet on the clean surface was fast. He surged on those guys early. He was pushing, and he was smooth. Great. Um, I'm assuming he's a little disappointed in his race as well, but, like, you know, I ran a 16.54 5K time trial. Granted, I'm more fit now, and this was a while ago, but um, – it just goes to show like we talk about speed and we talk about running and it is so damn important. It's still like, this is still a quintessential quintessentially a runner's race. Right. But Spartan levels the playing field. 
it, le it levels the playing field for the strong guys because you got to run a bunch and it levels the playing field for the runners because it just takes you out of rhythm. And it's just like, I don't know how many times we need to be reminded of this, but you look at people on paper and I should not have been anywhere near Gawiski knowingly says he's a 1635 K guy right now. And he takes fourth place. Yep. That guy can, he can keep a high percentage of his output in shit terrain and make smart decisions. And so it just goes to show like, no matter what the pros are doing or what everybody is doing as far as speed goes, I mean, even Magida is running some crazy fast times, sub-16, mm -hmm. right? He, got, he had a good race until he got stuck at the tire, but point being... How many 190-pound guys run 1550? <laughs> None. <laughs> you know, that's, None. that's rare. So, point being is Spartan negates your greatest attributes on both ends, is yeah. what I think I'm getting to. It's a battle of whose weaknesses are the best. Whose weaknesses are the best? I kind of like that. Yeah. So that was the major lesson learned. Um, the other lesson learned is what I touched on, um, is the shit running in a short course. Um, if it was a super, I think I would have, I made the right decision with how I played my efforts in the slot. It wasn't a super, it was a sprint and you not, you don't have that luxury. Um, so I would say you have to, you have to embrace and push through when sometimes you would conserve otherwise in a longer race. So, um, those were the two major lessons learned. Yeah. for me what else did you see i took a look at the fields and i saw that the woman's side needs Lindsay. it is an exciting field between second and the rest of the places mm -hmm. first place is not available on the female side right now because nicole is that dominant she won by three three and a half minutes yeah and she looked easy she was not trashed crossing the line she is so dominant that she needs Lindsay. so that's what i saw I th that it's exciting that the new wave is there like the new wave is there and it was awesome to see rose do so awesome. well so the women's field is exciting but not at the top that sport needs Lindsay, and the men's side is the most exciting field i've ever seen it's not watered down on the men's side it's not a weak field i mean the gap between nicole and second place miriam was larger than the gap between like first and 15th on the men's side. Yeah, I believe I, I have to look at, don't quote me on that, but I, I do agree. And I would say another takeaway from this is I would love, I mean, how many times now has the tire been uh, a make or break obstacle for the men's race on the women's race? I mean, she had the fifth fastest time, I believe, um, Nicole of everybody. I mean, <laughs> hats off, like fist bump, Nicole, you, you're fast as shit. Um, and, but part of that reason was that all of the men got stuck at the tire and had to do burpees. Yeah. And I would love to see a women's tire that caused that carnage at times and it rewarded skill or strength. I would like to see a 275 tire maybe for the women instead of 200, something that would maybe break the field up, give the other women who aren't as fast a chance as well. Yeah. Nicole's strong. She's going to get the tire anyways. But that's another thing I would like to see changed, I think, now that it's hit hardest on the men enough times yeah what do you think about that the weight of the women's tire yeah i mean it, they need to follow the guidelines of every other sport which is the women's weight has to be at least two-thirds of the men's yeah if you look at crossfit if you look at powerlifting, like the numbers don't lie there has to be a correlation and there's not a correlation there i was we heard a lot about the field being watered down there mm -hmm. were five guys in position to win the race coming into the tire yeah. Josiah was still leading the race two miles in. We got to talk about him and we will spend time talking. Kempson was still surging. Uh, VJ was still surging. Logan was still running strong. 
Is that four though? Not five. Doesn't matter. We're not. This isn't a math podcast. But <laughs> the, the, it is an exciting field. And VJ won by a minute eighteen or a minute twenty or a minute fifteen, something like that. But he was not even leading the race mm-hmm. until the last mile. So it, he had a dominant finish. He wasn't even the race leader for a long. This wasn't like Alabama two years ago where he just ran away from people from the start. The field has all upped their game in first through, I don't know, 12th, 15th. Every Mm -hmm. single guy there was in their race attacking. The gaps weren't big gaps. Everyone could see everyone. And you couldn't say that on the female side. So the female side's exciting for the newbies. And at the top, the men's side is anyone can win on any day. And that's going to make for an awesome season. It's going to come down to horses for courses, not just this isn't going to be the Hobie heyday where he wins every course. Doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be the specialists win their special courses. Yeah. And, and VJ was tested. He um, was gapped. Yeah. Josiah Medow, um, shit, at 42 or 43 years old, that dude led two miles of the race. And from what VJ's report, you know, in an interview with uh, ORM was, he was just stronger through the crappy, like the power and rate in which that dude ran through the slot was just more than his and yeah. and vj ran hard and it wasn't his his running kept him in the race um but it wasn't his running that won it for him it was the other stuff which uh he knows he's good at and he earned every bit of this race and like he he ran a fantastic race he should have won and he did win um there's a video though of the bucket carry which is not too far before the tire and he was in like third place or fourth place or something at one point he moved up in it but yep. he like it at that point, he might have been in semi-panic mode. So even his victory does not, his time gap doesn't show how close the race was. If I saw the end result and saw VJ had won by that much, I would have thought that he had earned and had the lead going into bucket already mm-hmm. and had a gap and just just sunk sunk his teeth in and went with it. Um, it didn't pan out how I would thought. I will say, you know, looking at the Strava results, um, you know, that lean body sorcery, VJ, uh, you had the fastest bucket carry in the whole field. VJ mm-hmm. had the fastest bucket carry by five seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Nick Riker was second. I was third. Um, a couple others, but VJ was the class of the field on the bucket carry. Yeah. He's quick with it, man. I mean, he, he earned his, he earned his win. So congratulations VJ, but obstacles still matter. And we, we talked about it. They did. Yeah. Josiah, let's talk about Josiah. He, uh, we had two newcomers this weekend. Mm-hmm. Josiah was not technically a newcomer, but it's the first time that he's raced since 2011. And he had some doubters. Anytime Spartan brings someone in new that's new to the sport and did well at something else, people are always like, ah, oh, this person is just not a threat. And I always say that. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that I said from the start is a threat because he's that good. Why don't we actually do this? Let's start with like the 10th through 15th and work our way down to one here and okay. just give our take on how they did. Let's actually start with the ladies. Are you cool with that? Yeah. And then we'll get to Josiah and we'll get to all that. Um, <clears throat> so let's look at, was there some like DQs and stuff on the women's side? I'm not entirely sure. I, I don't know how much I just screenshot all the athletes results, but um, 10th place. We'll go. So like I see Ashley Heller in 11th. But I believe she was fourth, wasn't she, when she had crossed the line? So I'm gonna, you have to get to us, Ashley, if that's correct or not, because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you you crossed the line significantly in front of that. So let's uh, let's just talk about our depth of field. So tenth place was Jolene Young, thirty three thirty four. Compare that to Nicole Miracle, twenty seven forty six. 
she was roughly six minutes back in 10th place. Okay. On the women's side, that gap was about six minutes from first to 10th. Jolene Young, never heard of her. Congratulations on top 10. Do you know who Jolene Young is? No, but she's here. Top 10 national series is not given away lightly. 43 or she says 44 here in the age range as well. So that's fantastic. Now what athletes does, if you guys are looking up your results, is it takes like your age at the end, like what you're going to turn that year. So mine says I'm 38, although I'm 37. So if your ages are one year up, that's why. The age you'll be at champion world championships. At world champ- okay. Is that what it is? Yeah. So Jolene Young, 44th. Ninth, Casey Monroe. Okay. She's been around. She has. And yet that's a really solid result. Yeah, ninth place, Casey Monroe. Not surprised to see her in the top 10, so that nope. would be one I would suspect. She looked fit. I saw her before the race. She looked very fit. Yep. Uh, eighth, Miranda Kilpinski. Not a household name. Eighth exactly. place. And we talked about women showing up and and making their impression. Like these, they're, you're earning, I don't know what they're doing at the point series, but these are important places to get right now. Yeah. Miranda Kilpinski. She's 31. Then we had Natalie Miano. What do we think of Natalie Miano in seventh? Um 32-24. How do we feel about that performance? Because Natalie uh, podiumed last year, took third. She did. She's coming off foot injury, which yep. you're no stranger to. She actually could not run in her race shoes. She was too injured. Her foot can't handle racing shoes, so she had to wear like uh, cushioned trail trainers to run, mm. which this was not the course to feel like, you're, like you have a shoe on with any amount of heft to it or will retain water i i think if i i I can't put myself in her mind but if i pretend to i'm pumped she came in as long as she comes out healthy she knows i'm top seven in the sport right now and i had the worst off season of any of the girls ahead of me yep i agree i i would call that's our first i mean i would call 10th um 10th place Jolene Young and 8th place Miranda Kilpinski winners of the day i'd also call Natalie Miano a winner of the of the day based on her history. I thought she did what you did. What's that? Out of all the top 20 guys, you had the worst off season. You missed the most time and you've run the least number of times of anyone. Yeah. And uh, Natalie was the female version of that. She had the worst off season. She got set back during it and you guys both took seventh. Her time gap was bigger, much bigger than last year compared to those women, which I'm sure she would have liked to see, see tightened up. But she's, her time gap. She's less fit and healthy than last year. So I think, yeah, I think it's a positive for Natalie. Um, sixth place, Annie Doobie or Doob, D-U-B-E. Yep. I don't know how you pronounce that, Annie. As far as I know, that's her highest finish in a national series race. Okay, awesome. Um, I've seen your name pop up on results, Annie, mm-hmm. and it may have popped up here last year. I don't recall. So I know you've been around, but sixth place, like in a U.S. national series race, 32-10. Um, she was roughly, what does that put her, four, four and a half minutes behind Nicole, sixth place. Who was sixth on the men? Josiah. Okay, so... It kind of shows the the category she's entering mm-hmm. in terms of names. Fifth place, Alexandra Walker, 31-39. Mr. Spear. Mr. Spear. What was that, a minute penalty loop? 45 seconds to a minute, yeah. I'm going to still call her a winner on the day because I expected her top five. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'm going to say loser of the day. And I don't mean you're a loser, Alexandra. I just I know that you wanted and could have and should have performed better if you hit your spear. Um you were prob if you hit your spear, you were second place, Alexandra. If you oh, if you look at the results, you were a minute and seven seconds behind second place, Alexandra. A minute and seven separated you from second place. I think she was in third when she missed. Okay, so fifth place, salvage, great. I got to tell you, she talked to me afterwards. She and she said she had people message her after our podcast where you said 
that people are are saying the story on her is that it was just the right conditions for her at Worlds. She took it as in we were agreeing with that. Oh, no, not at all. And I said, no, our point was we're tired of people saying that about her. And this is going to be her race to prove that it wasn't the conditions she can run in any condition. And she said, oh, okay, thank you. But anyways, I use that as a chip on my shoulder. I was like, well, you're welcome. But no, Kirk and I are on the Alexander Walker train. We're tired of people making that excuse about your performance. We also want to get you on the podcast, Alexander. So you might be getting, we might be sliding into your DMs here soon. So anyway, she missed her spear and went from third to fifth and would have been in third minimum without it. And who knows? I like her odds of that course at the end running people down. Exactly. It would have been in the bag for third for sure. So again, that's where I know somebody probably a little frustrated. And and I know you guys want to know how these races shake out. So that's why we're going through this, by the way. Yeah, because there's no coverage this weekend. They did put something out. Did they? Yeah, they got a 26-minute recap of the men's race. and uh, oh, oh, yeah, well, it's good. I take it's, that back then. It's raw. It's actually pretty good. I was impressed. Um, fourth place, Ash- Ashley O'Hara. O'Hara, I mentioned her last mm-hmm. week. Only reason I mentioned her is because she showed up and did so- and she did top 10 last year, and I knew she's she's back again. She is one of those racers, I would put like a Killian, where you look at their build and you think you're just more slight of frame, and they're stronger than they look. Mm. I would put a Kempson in that, maybe a VJ, like that, that yeah. lean body sorcery they talk about. Mm-hmm. There are women who look powerful. She doesn't look like a powerful athlete. She just... She was a powerhouse out there. I was really impressed. Well, I got to watch her finish and she finished really close behind Rose and Rose gives it every second of a course. So anyways, I was blown away. I'm impressed with you. And I think she's kind of my person to watch now over the next few years. Ashley uh, was six seconds behind Rose and fourth place. I mean, highest CS national series finish, obviously Uh, 30 years old, maybe 29. I don't know. Um, Congratulations. You're winner. You're one of the winners of the day for sure. Yeah, I think she's got a she's got she's got some room to hit her ceiling, I believe. Yep. Rose Wetzel third. We see Rose on the podium. Welcome back again. Rose, well done. You know, she is the athlete who doesn't get a ton of respect in the sport anymore. Why does that happen? Because you go away for a year? Well, she went away for a couple of years and then was back and then away and is back, but she's lumped in with that. She was here too early in the sport, and so it must have been because the sport wasn't fully fleshed out yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you can be both. You can be in a sport that's new and still be an animal, and that's Rose. And she is tenacious, and this course requires tenacity. Um, Yeah, Rose, another winner of the day. Still about three and a half minutes behind Nicole mm-hmm. in third place. Uh, Miriam Gouillard-Bousset. Gouillard, I believe. Gouillet Bousset coming all the way over from Europe. I don't know exactly where she lives. France. 42 years old. Miriam taking second place. Came over to basically race this race. Maybe she's doing some more. 30-32. She was, you know, 50 seconds ahead of Rose. Really kind of in her own world. Second place. Another winner of the day. She blows me away. So she did well at the, relatively well at the Golden Trail Series. Yeah. She's an animal. And she has stuck with the sport so long. She really struggled with grip early on. Really struggled, like 180, 210 burpees in a race type of struggle. And now she's second at a U.S. National Series on a speed course. She's seen as a great climber and great endurance. She obviously has wheels. But when I was hobbling back to the start line, the women came through. And they were maybe 600 or 
800 meters and maybe 600 meters in, mm-hmm. there was a gap already. It was Nicole, 40, 50 meters clear of the field. 600 meters. And then there. Miriam. And then 30 meters behind her was the field. Oh my she committed from the jump. She's 42 and just got out and said, I'm going after these people. It was awesome to watch. I bet it was. And Nicole looked like she was running on pavement. Yeah. She was so light and efficient through that slop. It was crazy. Yeah. So let's talk Nicole. Nicole Miracle wins. 27.46. She bests the field by like two minutes and and like 46 seconds margin of victory. Um, This goes in my top 10 all-time performances in terms of domination in our sport. What a stud. I'm not, I don't have much to say other than like, Nicole, you earned that victory. Like you, just because they're like, you weren't pressed by, let's say Lindsay or pressed by anybody else takes nothing away because you want to know why? Because your gap says it all. Your gap says everything anybody needs to know. If somebody says, yeah, but Lindsay wasn't there. Ah, Ray is not racing anymore. Oh, Alyssa wasn't there. Oh, Faye didn't come. Screw them. You won by almost three minutes. We didn't need them here. For, you would have won this race regardless. That's, I'm going to say it right now. I think you would have won this race regardless. So I, for sure. There is a way you cross the line when you're trashed, but you just won and you keep it together and make yourself look good. And then there's a way you cross the line when this was a workout for you. And she crossed the line in the, this was a, this was a good solid workout. I would say this was not Nicole's hardest effort of the last week. She didn't look like it when she came in. I'll tell you that she was smiling, relaxed and, uh, Completing full sentences within yep. seconds of crossing the line. Yeah. This was a this was a warning call. This was a she put the do it the, the division on notice here. This was a Lindsay, if you're really having any doubts about whether there's a challenge left for you in this sport, I'm here. And I love that she has raised her game again. Mm-hmm. Because it's tough to raise your game when you're already clearly one of the two best people in the world. Know what I like about Nicole? She's got humility. She expresses nerves and still sometimes doubt. And she she doesn't err on the arrogant side at all. She errs on the humble side. Yeah. And I, I admire that about her. Um, the, there's no ego there. And not that mo- and any of these women have an ego. I'm not insinuating that any of them do, but she certainly doesn't. When you come out and put on a performance like that, it sometimes just goes hand in hand with having some satisfaction in your voice or in your look. And she, you wouldn't know what place she took. It was incredible. Yep. That's our recap of the women's field. Winners, losers, performers. Um, I will say if you are a woman who thinks you might be any good at this. Oh, one question I did have, everybody was talking about a Renee showing up and running well. Oh, sorry. She was right there with Miriam when I saw them. I don't know what she finished. She's not in the top 17. Okay. She's an Olympic trials marathoner. She at least, again, we don't know what happened. So maybe Athlinks is just mistaken or something, but correct us if we're wrong. I only have the data in front of me, but I wonder what happened with her. She's a strong runner. She's done Warrior Dash World Champs in the past. She's Mm -hmm. a, like a compact powerhouse of a runner. Okay. I think she's like made to do well at this sport. She was a, you know... 230s in the marathon, I believe. Yeah, quick. Just to run um, for Mizuno, as far as I know. If you're one of those women out there who think, you know, I could be good at this or I've run some smaller races, like the door is still open. And so come and come on in. <laughs> like like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Should we go to the men? Yeah. I'm actually going to start this conversation. Um, the list of names, I just want to 
outline the depth of the field here. Okay. So we're going to start the men's conversation in 14th place. Okay. Um, somebody I actually want to tip my hat to Brent trail. Mm. Yeah. Um, he came up to me in the first set of slop and came up on my shoulder and said, Hey Kirk. And I was like, who the, who the fuck are you? And I believe that was Brent trail. Yeah. Green shorts. Yeah. A little scruff, darker yep. hair. Stuck his nose in the ring. I've seen your name in races I haven't performed, uh, haven't raced. And I know you've you've podiumed and you, you have a name, but I was impressed with you sticking your nose in there um, and and giving it a go. So Brent Trail is one of my winners of the and day. And he's a mountain guy. Yeah. He's part of that East Coast group of uh, animals who are kind of unknown. Like him, Joshua Reed, that whole group out there who mm-hmm. you just know that you're going to get all of them at the race. Fist bump, Brent Trail. 14th, he was 30.05 which puts him roughly just under four minutes, just over four minutes behind VJ. Um, 13th, Robert Killian. Okay. 29.35. He was, um, what's that? 26, 27, 27. He was just under four minutes behind VJ. What do we make of Killian's performance? Well, did he do the Friday Spartan cross? Nobody ran Saturday super. And he might've done two laps. Saturday. Not sure. Yeah. He, I think he went back out with his like Sierra Bravo or one of the military groups. He just put in a weekend of fatigue and he was out of the big names there. He was in the worst shape like um, wise coming in, I believe. And he had his own ankle thing as well. So, I mean, if it were anyone else, I'd be concerned. Robert did this last year and then won worlds and he's in worse shape right now. And he still took 13th and I'm not worried at all. I think out of Robert's mouth, he did say the tire was, uh, I know he, I think he failed it. Um, on Saturday when he ran the super and he wasn't the lead until that point. Was he? But, I believe so. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. He was close. But anyways, he said the tire was definitely in worse shape on for the sprint. There was not like the dew like there was. Like there was not no dew on Saturday morning, but there was on Sunday morning for some reason. Um, in front of Robert Killian, Derek Yorick, who won the Super the day before. 29-19, uh, like three and a half minutes back. What do you think? He's one of those guys that isn't taken seriously in terms of a contender, but he will be and can be. And it's, it's just a matter of time. He's always in great shape. He ran at Adams State, I believe, in college. And he's getting better at his running again, getting back to that. He went into strength work for a while after college, and he's, he's a little animal. On paper, Derek York, Derek's a stud. And he won the day before, still came back and took 12th. I don't think he's happy with that because I think he believes he can do better. But he Derek was fatigued. Yep. And he just didn't look like himself. He usually is a very aggressive runner for running yep. for him, and he just looked tired. And yeah, he'd run the super the day before and slop. All right. Here's the first bracket buster. The, the guy who is saying he was ready to come and turn some heads, Nick Riker, 11th place. Uh, he's going to be one of my losers for the day. Um, when we say losers, we mean people that went home disappointed with themselves. Yeah, I'm not calling you a loser. Nick, we, I love you, man. Um, he's the guy who wasn't happy when he finished. Um, on Nick's behalf, uh, he's been shitting out blood for like two weeks, apparently. Said bloody diarrhea. Uh, not to air your laundry out, Nick, but like but you should air your laundry out. <laughs> you should air your laundry, but you got to be in a depleted state, um, no doubt. I saw you made that part of your like race recap post, and then you took it off, Nick, realizing like race excuses Which are a dime a dozen. Yep, you made the right call there, Nick. So we'll make it for you. We just made it for you. We all know that, but you're going to be a guy who's disappointed. You were you were tenth last year and looking to move up, and I don't think that was your fitness. So and he came out of the bucket in what? seventh he passed me on the bucket yep um so he was he was in it getting to the tires still 100 percent. oh yeah yep yeah. but that those are the places where being depleted at a at a, like a systems level show up or having to do 30 burpees and run again 
Yeah, exactly. What happens is Spartan race rubs you just rubs you just above threshold. And if you're not on and ready and fresh and feeling good that day, it, you just hang on. Right. Yeah. And I'm guessing he just, his body wasn't there like he wanted. Um, 10th place. Now we're top 10. Leon Kofid. Well, how far back was Riker from first? Uh, and these are all skewed too, because VJ did flip the tire and basically nobody else did. So the gaps right. look larger than they actually were. Um, Riker was 29.10, VJ was 25.40, so that's exactly three and a half minutes. Hmm. So it's still pretty substantial. About the gap it was first to third in the women's field. Yeah, yep. Uh, Leon Kofed, 28.50, missed a spear. He missed a spear, huh? Mm -hmm. So you can take 45 seconds off his time. He would have been probably right about where we were with me and Mark and all that, yep. Missed a spear. He was also one guy who got to the tire, literally touched it and went. I yeah. think he knew as he just brushed it, so he did save some time there. But I'm going to say he's one of our losers of the day or disappointed of the day. He's racing a couple more Savage races. He's staying here for a while. He's got a couple. I think he's going to – he'll make up for it there. He's yeah. going to do great. But uh, ninth place, Mark Audette. Another going home frustrated. I don't I should have started saying losers of the day. That's not right, guys. We'll, we'll call frustrated. You know, there's winners and losers out there. Um, you know, he would have been seventh. Taking my spot, he lost two positions um, because of a burpee penalty that he can't explain, and that's what's frustrating. He believes he did extra, um, and he was doing burpees in the pit right next to me, and his form was solid. Like, he was upright. He was doing – like, if there's anybody who follows the rules, like, Mark Goddett follows the rules, right? So I, I just feel bad about it because I feel like he deserved to beat me, and and he did technically. So that burpee penalty cost him two positions. That's tough in a U.S. National Series race. I think that he underperformed in his mind, but I think validated that he's a person in the sport. He was in the race. 100%. The tire changed everything. But I think that you take everyone's positioning coming into the tire, and that shows where their fitness was. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I admired his fit. I mean, he surged and put a gap on pe people twice in the first mile. Like, he didn't hold back. He went out and, and shot a shot, maybe burned a match. But he was aggressive. He put himself in position. And I think when he got to the gunky running, and I want you guys like who we're talking about, like message us, let us know your take on our take. I'd be curious, but I think he got to that gunky running and it was just enough to negate his speed. And, and that's where the race was, you know, that's where, that's where he slowly lost contact, um, which was my case as well. Um, after that, Mark Botris. Uh, 2838, one second ahead of Goddett after the burpee penalty. So Mark and Mark Goddett, when we were messaging, said he kind of just jogged it in because nobody was in front of him. I was behind him by 10 seconds, and he could have made up that one second if he would have known. And that's the problem with not doing true time trial starting where you sound a, a tone every 10 seconds or whatever. Because when you do that, you're locked in the mindset of you run through the line. Yeah. Uh, Mark Botch is going to be one of my winners of the day in eighth place, which you wouldn't think that. I wrote Mark, I counted Mark out because he ran a hundred miler or hundred K two weeks ago. And Mark still had some juice in his legs to take eighth place. Like, holy shit, dude. Well done. Yeah. And at the same time, I think he could have won. He has the top end ability of anyone. Yeah. I mean, Justin, he beat Justin Grunewald in this race. Yeah. You guys remember that guest? I mean, Justin Grunewald is an endurance stud. Mark went out and beat a guy like Justin Grunewald. In a 62 mile race. One week, two weeks before running a 5K. That's not your ideal buildup. No. Uh, he was 28.38, so he was roughly just under three minutes behind BJ. Uh, me, seventh, 28.21. Uh, I'm calling myself a winner of the day. Yeah. Based on everything. I'm happy. That's it. 
kick myself with things I did at the tire. Everybody's doing that. So we'll just move on for me. Six, Josiah Madow. Now you can talk about your boy Josiah in six. He was 27.56. Well, he's both columns for me. I think he is absolutely a winner because he proved to all the naysayers that he belongs in every race he ever toes the line for. This guy's a 13-time national champion and a world champ as well. He he was wronged by everyone who said this guy doesn't belong here. He's the real deal. And he was leading the race going into – he was second place going into the water, I believe. Or is no, he, he, was first? In, he, was, he was in first. He was in first going into the water after the bucket still? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With about a mile to go, he was still leading the race and pushing the pace. So yep. he – now goes into my disappointed column because he was cheated out of his his first not cheated but he had an unfair thing occur and was taken away his ability to make a giant splash because he got to the tire of death yeah and he probably Um, fought it for too long and he didn't have great burpee technique and efficiency he's just new to that kind of thing but otherwise he would have gone clean on the day and taken somewhere first through third in the race he may not have out obstacled Kempson and or Woods or VJ through that final gauntlet over that last mile, but maybe he would have. He would have been top five for sure. He started leaking time pretty quickly in the gauntlets. Yeah. Once he blew, I think he blew up. It, it sounded like that in his finish line interview, so I'm not like making that up. Yeah. Um, he's my win. He's a winner for the day, man. He ran. I don't care. He took six. Who cares? It's your first U.S. National Series race. Like, is that the highest debut for a male? Killian probably in 2015. That wasn't a debut though. He had won. He had run Breckenridge already and done one other race before he did Palmerton. Okay. Well, he's a winner because he was running away from guys and he would get like a little, once VJ caught him, he'd get a little back and then he'd just put gap again. He knows where his place is in this sport. He's going to be a guy who could win the next race. Yeah. He's my winner. And the races are only going to get longer, which means more chances for him to run away from people. 42 years old. He said in his, his finish line interview, it's interesting. I'm like the oldest guy here, but I'm the newest guy when it comes to experience, which is like a unique feeling. And my hat's off to him for coming to a new sport after having a very successful career somewhere else and sticking his nose. Nobody does that anymore. We say, where are these studs? Why don't they come out and throw their hat in the ring and Josiah hats? I've been waiting for him to come back since 2011. What he did in his very first Spartan race was mind blowing to me. He took second at the inaugural Spartan World Championship to Hobie. Mm-hmm. And he did it in a miserable style, which was one stepping Hobie for four straight or five straight miles. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just been waiting for him to come back and, and run people out of the off the course. And so, yeah, he's in my obviously winner column, yep. but he lost out on a big, big opportunity because he got to a tire that <laughs> really doesn't exist normally in this world. Yep. So Josiah, winner of the day, one of the winners. Uh, Ryan We're going to have him on. I'm going to reach out to him today. Yeah, we should. Uh, Ryan Kempson, fifth place, 2753. Watching him try to flip that tire, dude, is painful. Yeah, the Spartan race coverage, painful. I mean, it's just like you feel it because you know what it feels like. It's panic mode. It's the worst. He might be the most disappointed person in the field outside of Nick Riker. Yeah, I mean, he for sure was first or second, so he should have been. He was running fantastic. Last year, he was consistently outrun by VJ and out-transitioned, and this year he was taking it to him. Yep. Swinging right back at him. Kempson, you ran a great race. You're going to be one of our frustrations or losers of the day, so to speak. But like what I admire is in his interview afterwards, Ryan Kempson said, I was racing to win. I didn't care about second or third or fourth, and I had to flip that tire. And that's why I spent so much time on it. How do you not admire that, right? 
Yeah. Whereas I mitigated my loss and I took 20 seconds and was like, uh, 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 you know, I didn't have that mentality. Yeah. Because his thought was if I get this flipped in a minute, I still win the race. Exactly. Or take second at this point. But yeah. He's got to be frustrated to spend a minute plus on it and then go do burpees. Oh, that's the fear of everybody. So I feel for you. VJ passed him in the water. Coming out of the water, which means, again, VJ's dominant victory, he was, Kempson still had him beat at that point. It was, he was putting on a great race. So yeah, he's the disappointment to himself, but he ran a fantastic race. Yep, he did. Um, Brian Gawiski, uh, Brian Gawiski, fourth place. Biggest winner of the day. Uh, I'm going to go Logan Broadbent, so we get biggest winner of the day. Okay, second biggest winner of the day. <laughs> Brian I, forgot, I forgot Logan was next. Brian Gawiski's, what do you think? He's a gamer. He shows up and gets it done. Sloppy technical stuff is always good for him. And he doesn't panic in races. He's He's been around a long time and he just works his way through tough spots. He does. Um, and here's our first finisher that didn't burpee. So um, other than Jones. So VJ Jones, 25-40. Brian Gawiski, 27-29. So he's a minute and 49 seconds behind VJ still with flipping the tire. Which shows you how quick they ran up front, though. Mm-hmm. We came into the tire. Gawiski was behind me. I don't know how close, but he was behind me. And that was enough to make up all of that gap and go to fourth place. And my hat's off to you, man. You stuck out that tire. I, I don't know. Do you know if that's a technique? Gawiski's the one who grabbed the tire sideways and slid it sideways over his foot. Do you know? Did you know he was practicing that technique? Or was this like an instinctual thing for him? I don't know. We'll have you to know? find out from him. Someone did it last year. Okay. But I don't know if it was him or if he got it from someone. <clears throat> Other than the actual winner of this race, who's the real winner of the day, uh, Logan Broadbent, third place, 27.09. That was you, a performance. What do you think? And he didn't stumble into it. The tire helped, but he aggressively attacked every section of that course, all the way through the finish line. I think he probably had the fastest downhill after the uh, – the barbed wire crowd, that little steep downhill. He was he went down it like the finish line was at the bottom. He was he sold out for every section of that course. I don't think anybody ran with as much power in their stride the entire race with like aggressive mechanics, we will call it. Yeah. As he did. He was fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Well done, man. Um, he said he put in a big speed block on the track. He said all those track work's been paying off. So maybe he thought he said he's usually better at the longer races. So maybe he thought speed was a weakness. Um uh, so, damn, Logan Broadbent's a name. To- yeah, this might be his coming out party. Uh, you know, and just the stature of him, you know, he's definitely the shortest guy in the field. You know, Musley has a Ninja Warrior background. He is a world-ranked boomerang thrower. That is his first love. Like, he traveled the world to do boomerang competitions. Um, coming into this and now getting that, like, you don't, Logan, you don't go anywhere from there now. Like you don't have a choice, Logan. Like now you are stuck running at the front of every field until you blow up or stay there. Mm-hmm. Like that's what happens now, Logan, that you've earned yourself a ride on the pain train every single race now moving forward. I agree. You do. Yeah. Yeah. He's here now. Two more. Ryan Woods. I was impressed. Ryan ran a really tough race. He was not in the fitness that we've seen him in before, but he threw himself in it and just worked he was lurking in fourth place or third or fourth place the whole race in contact which we say is important then he capitalized when he needed to both he and logan had the fastest getting to the tire to leaving outside of vj and brian they just said screw it they just tapped hammered burpees and got out 
Or they gave it like one little pull, and I was like, obviously, I'm not going to get this yet. So Woodsy, 2651, okay, with burpees, that puts him a minute and 11 seconds behind VJ with burpees. Now, VJ did, you know, took time to flip the tire, and Woods didn't. So How I long do you think it took VJ? I can go back and watch. I'm not sure. 15 or 20 seconds? Longer than that. Oh, longer? Yeah. I, I believe it took, I bet you it took him 30. Okay. Plus, maybe. Um, winner of the day, Ryan Woods. One of our winners. Um, he's got to be happy with that. And then VJ Jones, 2540 with a margin of victory of a minute and 11 seconds. He came out and did what everyone said he should do. And that's sometimes really difficult in sports is to be the favorite and to do it, especially when conditions stack up against you and when it's not going your way. I would say that race wasn't going his way. He didn't have the momentum. His wins come from momentum. He builds momentum throughout his races. This was not a momentum win for him. This was... This was a, he won dirty and yep. he, he won ugly. And that's, that's the sign of a winner when you can win ugly. He earned it. He was wor- working hard. He was hurting. He was in the race. He didn't have the boost of, I have a lead now until the race was over. When he left the tire pit, the race was, mm-hmm. and I, and he didn't really, I mean, he enjoyed it. You could tell like he, he was working hard, but he was, he had it. So, and he earned it, man. Smart cerebral on the tire, other than the little cloth situation. Um, like digging the hole, pulling it over it, like smart man. Which means he could have got it without the cloth. Exactly. Right. So I, I'm not negating what he's done because of the dumb. It's cloth. not like Chicago where he only got it because of that tacky cloth he had. This, he had the technique to do it without it. Yep. And it's not on him. It's on Spartan to to make those decisions. So, yeah. dude. And so, again, on the women's side, the gap was just over around six minutes. On the men's side, the gap was three minutes and 10 seconds to 10th. So that is our breakdown. Oh, you're one of my losers of the day too, Bracken. I think that's fair. <laughs> you weren't on the list, but... <laughs> or did, I mean, yeah. I'll put myself in the winner's column because I didn't feel the the tire. That's true. You're one of a few. No, that, that, was, that was a solid loss taken by me this weekend. Yeah. So that there you have it. Any other concluding thoughts on the race, the players, what's coming up? I wish I knew when their next race was going to be. Either way, we know one thing. It's going to be longer and hillier. Yep. Which changes the dynamic greatly. Well, the US, it's it's either going to be Big Bear or then Utah. Are those the next two that are up? Yeah. For potential? Both I'm rolling my eyes at. Yeah. There is a chance I will skirt Big Bear in Utah and just do West Virginia and slow to put together my three um, going to elevation and not acclimating. Fine. It's gonna be great. Be good for mental toughness and go do it. But you know, when people put all their eggs into a few races and then actually show up and perform, mm-hmm. that might be my approach this year. We'll see what they decide. That's what do you smart. think they'll do about big bear? You think it's going to happen or no? No, no, I don't. How come? Could just be based on it's California. <laughs> yeah. That's it. But you never know. Things can change quickly. Um, if you haven't hopped on board with our running public training plan yet, folks, we uh, got new strength work plugged in as of today, I believe, right, Brackenstein? You put yeah, that the, in? The new block starts up this morning. We started our Running Public Training Group Facebook page. And so all the uh, it's a private group. It's only for the athletes who are training with us. And that, that started up this morning, too. So I sent emails out to everyone. If you didn't get one, message me. And uh, if you did get one, go and join the training group. We post... We'll put videos on there. We'll put additional information on the workouts, and then I'll give you guys a chance to chat and connect about workouts and training and, you know, race housing and travel, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so you guys can go to bullshit about the workouts because you'll all be doing the same workout that day. So there's your chance to just get each other's feedback and mm -hmm. say how much you loved it or hate it and build a community there. So that's officially all set up. And um, and then we got sort of a, a real fitness building phase coming up with our training. Like we got we feel like, you know, we're slow playing the training in a sense. We're like, we didn't give you all the goods before Jacksonville. Like we're we're going to be amping up this training plan like in a purposeful manner and we're some really solid stuff coming your way. Yeah. I'm excited for people. Yeah, some some progressive workouts, speed extension, hitting some long runs, hitting some compromised runs. It's it's all pretty cohesive and it the build begins in earnest. Yep. Um so think about hopping on board, folks. I had about 10 people come up and say they wanted yellow t-shirts and then we were out in their size. So I'm about to order more. Um and uh, I decided I'm going to go race in Las Vegas. For sure you're going to? I think I'm going to book my stuff. I think I just want to go race again. It was nice to be out there. It felt like a sense of normalcy. Uh, I feel more enlightened or encouraged afterwards. So if anybody's going to Vegas, I think I'm going to show up. So let me know if you're going to be there. Kirk, I know you want me to go. I will not. I'm looking at three to six weeks on this calf. You are, huh? Yeah. Three, three to six weeks, no matter how it feels, you're going to take off? No, three to six weeks is the prognostication. But if it if it progresses better, then... I'll, I'll obviously move the schedule up, but I'm not going to rush it either. Yeah, that's smart. And, you know, cross-training goes a long ways. And calves are tricky. Calve, calves and Achilles are one of those areas that keep coming back on people if you rush it. Mm -hmm. So what's the rush? Your next race on the calendar is TBD, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd guess June. Yeah, so you got time. Um, cool seeing everybody out at the race. It was. A lot of t-shirts. A lot of t-shirts, people saying, hey, that was really nice. Thanks for you guys who came up, came up and said, hey, it's good seeing the running public. Good being back in the community. That's all I got today, Bracken. What about you? Till next time. Get on the training plan if you haven't, folks.